Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today, you'll hear a sermon from Pastor Stan Yee. So without further ado, here he is. Well, good morning, everybody. Um, my name is Stan, uh, and it's my privilege here to serve as, as one of the pastors of this church. Um, so this morning, I'm going to continue uh, this series that I started way back, I think, toward the beginning of this year, and uh, it's called Jesus Revealed. It's, it's really going through the letter of Ephesians. And um, for those of you that are taking sermon notes, you know, for all the kids here, uh, the title of the message is, is right up here, you know. So, so write that down. It's called Live by God's Gift of Grace. So just a, just a, a quick reminder for, for you kids that are taking sermon notes. So it's been a while since we've, you know, since I've been up here and been able to share with you guys. And so I just wanted to do a really a quick recap of the letter uh, to Ephesians and the series that we've been going over, Jesus Revealed. And really, we actually have only gone over the first chapter, so we haven't really gotten that far in Ephesians. Uh, but uh, really, just really two things that I just wanted to recap uh, us on. The first is that really the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Ephesians really talked about how God has chosen us to be part of his story, that God has chosen us to be part of his story and to live out his story. And, you know, it's, it's really neat even just to see this, this opportunity, even with the community garden, that, you know, maybe in some ways it feels like, oh, it's just a garden, and it's just, you know, and we're still, like, looking for a location, these kind of things. But in some ways, if, if we have the eyes to see and invite God and, and really ask him to show us what he's doing, we can see that even in something like a community garden, God can work and bring about his kingdom and really be part of his story. And, you know, I think that's just really kind of cool to see that our, what we do when we follow Jesus, when we live out our Christian life, is not just something about waiting till we get to go to heaven or when, you know, just about being saved, but it's really about God's kingdom from heaven coming down on earth, just as he, even Jesus prayed in his Lord's Prayer. And so that really was kind of the, this, this first point that Apostle Paul makes in that first part of the, of the first chapter in Ephesians. And the second part is that he gives us this boundless power that he showed in raising Jesus from the dead, and that we can trust in that power that's greater than any other power, greater than our own power. And really, that's important to know because we could do a lot of things out of our own strength, out of our own power, but really, it's really dependent on God's power to really see what God really is up to and really can do. And so that was really what Paul really wanted to drive home to the Ephesians at that second part of the chapter, and that we, what we went over. And so for this morning, we're going to go over Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9. Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9. And here it's up on the screen. Um, Oh, there you go. Okay. And again, if you're taking sermon notes, you can write this down as one of the verses, <laughs> and you get a prize at the end. <laughs> so just also remember that as well, kids. So let me read this for us. This is Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, and this is from the NASB. It reads this. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God not a result of works, so that no one may boast. 
And, you know, for some of us this morning, we may have heard of these verses many times. Maybe even some of you have memorized them. I know this was, in college, one of the key memory verses that we had to memorize. But I think, in some ways, we can be over-familiar with these verses, if, if this is where we're at. And that sometimes we hear these things over and over again, and we really haven't sat and really reflected or thought about uh, these verses. And so really to start with, I, I'd like us to think about this word grace. The word grace. You know, what does it mean? What does grace mean? What does it have to do with God? You know, maybe we've used it a lot, we've heard it used a lot, but really... What is that? What does that really mean? Especially when it, when the Bible talks about grace. And so you know me, um, you know I like I really like to use this one resource. It's very free. It's online on YouTube or their site. It's called the Bible Project. <laughs> so they have a video about grace. And so we're going to show this video right now, and they can do a, a way better job of explaining this word grace and what it means and how does it explain God's character. So let's show that video uh, right now. If you tried to describe what God is like, it could be difficult or daunting. But, but when the people who wrote the Bible pondered the mystery of God, they consistently described God's character in this way. Compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, overflowing with loyal love and faithfulness. We're going to look at the second key word in this statement, gracious. The Hebrew word is chanun which is related to the Hebrew noun chen. This word chen is often translated as grace or favor. And if you study how this word is used throughout the Bible, you find a fascinating story. One meaning of chen is delightful or favorable. In the Psalms, a skilled poet is said to have lips of chen. That is, he can craft beautiful words that bring delight. Or a dazzling piece of jewelry is an ornament of chen. It attracts attention and favor. This is why chen is often the word used to describe a gift given with delight or favor. In these cases, chen could be translated as grace. Like in the story of Esther, who approaches the king of Persia to ask that she and her people be spared from death. She calls this a request for chen. And because the king delights in Esther, he favors her and grants her wish. So, giving a gift of favor is chen because it's motivated by delight. And the most extreme kind of chen is showing favor to someone who should get what they deserve, not a generous gift. Like Jacob, who cheated his brother Esau, ran away, and then after 20 years wants to come back and make things right. So he comes to Esau asking, may I find chen in your eyes? Jacob isn't asking for what is fair, but for favor. And surprisingly, that's what Esau gives him. He chooses to delight in his brother Jacob and show him grace that he doesn't deserve. Now, chen requires a generous spirit, which people sometimes have. But in the Bible, the one who shows more chen than anyone else is God. Like when God rescued the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, and they quickly betray him by giving their allegiance to a golden idol as their God. But then, Moses steps in and asks God to consider giving a gift that they don't deserve. And God says, yes, by showing the ultimate act of chen, forgiveness and a promise to be with these people. This character trait of God is so reliable that over 40 times in the book of Psalms, people cry out for God's chen, 
when they're sick or in danger or when the Israelites are in exile. And the biblical prophets like Isaiah looked back to God's chen in the past and boldly declared that God will one day show chen to his people by delivering them and all creation from death and ruin. Now, when we turn to the authors of the New Testament, they describe God's chen with the Greek word charis, which means gracious gift. Like when we're introduced to Jesus in the Gospel of John, we're told that Jesus is God's glorious charis become human, sent into a world of people trapped in darkness and death. Because according to the Apostle Paul, we're like the living dead. God has handed humanity over to the destructive consequences of our selfish decisions. But, Paul says, God is rich in mercy, and by his charis, he's rescued us. He's talking about how Jesus' life, death, and resurrection are offered to us as a generous gift of life that is more powerful than death. And as with any gift, all one has to do is receive it. So, now you can see why the biblical authors talk so much about this description of God's character throughout the Bible. When people are willing to own their failures and ask God for chen, he has a consistent and generous response. God gives the gift of himself, his life and his love. And this is what it means that God is gracious. I hope that video was helpful for you guys as we think about this word grace, uh, how these verses talk about it. And so really, as we talk about grace and as we think about it, I like how this video kind of shows us that really this word grace, especially in the New Testament and in this letter, Paul uses it kind of as the same as the word gift. He uses it the same way as the word gift. And in God's generous character, he's a God who loves to give. And, you know, in fact, this morning we see that in this verses, in in 8 and 9, that God has a gift for each of us. He says that here in uh, verse, at the end of verse 8, if we could turn to that. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, this not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And so, to really kind of drive this point home, I actually have something for us. Uh, one second. Okay. I wrapped this gift myself. <laughs> Hopefully you guys can see it. It was actually pretty hard wrapping a, a box this size. And so uh, this is a, a gift. There's actually something inside that we will open later. But just to... Uh, have us think about and reflect on what does it mean that God has given us a gift. And for those of you taking sermon notes, that is uh, my first point, that God has given us, each of us, a gift. That he's given us, each of us, a gift. And the reason I want us to reflect on this is because sometimes as Christians, we don't really think about being Christian as a gift. That sometimes we think about being Christian as something that, you know, that sometimes we think we have to do, an obligation. But really, we don't make ourselves Christian. We don't apply to be Christian. God is the one that has chosen us. And he offers us the gift of being with him, following him. And that's what it means to be Christian. 
But I want to sit for a moment and sometimes, you know, think about what, how we actually view what it means to be Christian. And I think so often when we think about our Christian lives, we think that God is, is grading us. That he's giving us a grade. Right? We sometimes think about it as there are A Christians, B Christians, C Christians, and D and F Christians. And I, I, I want us to think about this because I want us to see that even though we think about these being graded as Christians, that really the difference is that is completely opposite of what it means to receive being Christian as a gift. That there are no grades in being Christian. We don't climb up the Christian ladder of holiness. When God saves us through his grace, no one is better than anybody else. There's no pecking order because the gift is from God. Being Christian is from God and not from ourselves. And then one other thought came to mind as, as I was reflecting and thinking about this. If we call ourselves Christians, I want to emphasize that we are not better than those who are not Christian. And Paul talks about this at the end of verse 9. He says this. He says, if we can turn to verse 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And I wanted to make this very clear that we as Christians are not better than anyone else, especially those that are not Christian, because I think in today's world, there is a growing sentiment, a growing, I would say, understanding that sometimes Christians think that we are better than other people. And you can see that, I don't know if in our own lives, people that you may know as Christians or even in the news, that if we're Christian, we know what is best for our country, for our city, for our neighbors. And while there's some truth to that God grants us wisdom through his words, through the Bible, that does not make us better than other people. For a Christian, it is a gift given to us. And we can't just turn around and say, hey, because we've gotten this gift, that makes me better than you. And the reason why, even deeper than that, is the reason why we can't even say that either is because when God gives us this gift, he wants us to give it to others. He doesn't want us to hoard it. He doesn't want us to treat it as some sort of badge that we're somehow greater. But he wants us to give, to give it to others, this gift. And so that's why I want us to reflect on as we think about this gift, that God has given us a gift to each of us. So the next part, and this is the second point for those of you taking sermon notes, is that we can say yes or no to God's gift. We can say yes or no to God's gift. You know, and so sometimes when you think about this, most of the time when we're given a gift, right, we, we, we usually accept it. We say yes to it, right? We, we don't really turn it down, right? Especially because it's free or it's a birthday gift. You know, we like free stuff, right? We like, we like you know, the gifts given to us, whether they're toys or gift cards or those kind of things. But there are times that sometimes we actually say no to gifts. And this reminded me of just when I was a kid. I was probably about eight or nine years old. And 
I really wanted a hovercraft for Christmas, a remote control hovercraft. Yeah, this is one that I found online. Uh, this is actually, man, if this was around when I was a kid, I would have loved this. This is like a Lego hovercraft. And man, Legos nowadays are crazy. I bet this thing, I think this thing even actually works in real life, and it actually, I, it, could, it could even maybe hover a little bit. But, but what's so crazy is I really wanted a hovercraft uh, for Christmas, a remote control hovercraft. And so, like, my parents, you know, they said, okay, like, let's write to Santa Claus and give him a list. And so then I put down the exact, like, toy model and brand of the hovercraft that I wanted. I was serious, man, as a kid. I, I knew exactly what I wanted, and that was this hovercraft. And so Christmas rolls around. And it's Christmas Day, and I get up, and my family gets up. I'm super excited. I'm so looking forward to opening this gift, this gift that I know is going to be the hovercraft that I put down for Santa Claus. And so I open it, and what do I get? I get a remote control race car. A race car. (laughs) Woo! Yeah. So suffice to say, I was... Not happy. And, you know, I know many of you are parents out there. Uh, you can tell when your child is not happy. And so for the whole morning, I was just pouting. I wasn't a happy camper. I just sat there and I had my arms crossed or I was just, you know, I was just, yeah, I was not, I was not, you know, a good, a good son that day. proudest moment as a human being. But what I did was, you know, I think my mom felt really bad because she's the one, you know, she helped Santa actually get this gift. <laughs> and return the gift. And so then I was like, okay, great. Let's go today, Christmas Day, and return this gift so I can get my hovercraft. Again, not my proudest moment as a human being. And so my mom did. She did drive us to Toys R Us. And at Christmas Day, as you know, it's, it's closed, right, Toys R Us. My own personal story, testimony of how I said no to a gift. And, you know, it's, it's so crazy that I feel like just so appreciative of my mom who was willing to deal with my brattiness as a kid and even go out of her way us to Toys R Us to return that gift. And I, I share this story because I feel like sometimes we can treat God's gift in a similar way. We could be so set on what we want. We could have this idea in our heads that this is exactly what I want in life. And when then God gives us a gift that we turn it away. We cross our arms. We pout. And I feel like, in that sense, turn away from God and from his gift of grace. But what's truly amazing is that God doesn't give up on us. And like, like my mom, and over and over again. But don't get me wrong, God at some point 
will stop offering, especially if we've turned away our hearts to the point that we don't want it anymore and we have rejected him over and over again. But yet God's heart is to give, is to be faithful in giving this gift over and over and over again. And we just have to be open to saying yes. All right, so I bet all of us are wondering, what's inside of this box? So this is my last important point today, that we can have new life in God's gift. We can have new life in God's gift. So if you're taking sermon notes, you know, please write that down. All right, so inside this box, it's, um, you know, I, it's hard to actually have something like physical to, to show new life. So there's not new life in this box, just, uh, just to be clear. But, you know, I'm going to open it. Is there anyone that wants to help me open this? Anybody? Yeah? Some of the kids over there? You can come up. Whoever wants to help me open this box can come up. Any kids? Say, yeah, come up. Just come up here. You can help me open it. Yeah, come on forward. Yeah, guys, come on. Don't be shy. Yeah, go ahead. Here you go. Here you go. Go ahead and open up the box. Yeah, go at it. There you go. I taped it pretty well, so you guys, it might take a little bit. Uh, okay, okay. All right, okay. That's, that's good. That's good. Thank you, guys. <laughs> okay, thank you, guys. You want to keep it? You want to keep it? Okay, wait. You want to keep the bow? Okay. I can give you the box afterwards if you want the box. Yeah, okay. All right, so let's see what's inside this box. One second. All right, here we go. Whoa, it's just a piece of paper. <laughs> but actually what it is, is a cross. And I don't know if, if everyone noticed this, but this is actually the same type of cross that Pastor Jeff made last week. The exact cross, but unfortunately that, that wasn't the case. He, he already, uh, you know, gave someone else this. But really I wanted us to see that inside this gift that God has given us, the actual gift, is Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, which is really represented by this cross. But I just wanted to remind us this morning that this gift that God has given us, even though it might not be what we expect, Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And the reason why is this. It's because as we live our lives, especially and we have a tendency to hurt ourselves. And that's the other reason why I shared that story about that Christmas Day in the hovercraft, because as I remember that story, I feel bad. I feel bad because I placed my own wants for that hovercraft. I really wanted that hovercraft. I placed that, and because of that, I hurt I definitely, you know, I hurt them. Yeah, I, I bet my mom wasn't happy with me, but she was still willing to do that. 
And really, if you think about it, that's really the definition, one way to understand sin. That when we place ourselves first above everything else, in a lot of ways, we is for us to be freed from placing ourselves first all the time. That in his life, death, and resurrection, we can be free to love others, to love truly who God created us to be, that we don't have to live up to anyone else's expectations or obligations, but that God has given us freedom in who he created us to be. And so for this morning, I wanted us just to take a moment to end our time with just an invitation to say yes to this gift. That as we truly see our need for God's gift of grace, that there's no reason in waiting to say yes to that. God wants us to have new life in him. So if if you want to say yes to this gift, this gift of new life, I have a prayer for us. You can pray these words with me as I pray them out loud. So if you want this gift, please let's bow our heads, close our eyes, and I'll pray this prayer with us. Father, I'm in need of your gift of grace. I have tried to live my life without you or putting myself first before you. Forgive me for my sin of putting myself always first. Forgive me for hurting others and for not living the way you created me to be. I say yes to your gift of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. I say yes to following you, Jesus, and trusting you with my whole life. May you save me from my self-focused life and live my new life in you. Amen. And so if you said this prayer with me, I'd really like to talk to you. I'd really like to hear your story of what God has said to you. So if if you did pray that prayer, just please come talk to me after service and we can just have a conversation. And I'd like to hear about what God is doing in your life. So let me just close this time with my own prayer for those that have said yes. And then we can sing together with, uh, with a song from the worship team. So let me pray one more time. Father, we thank you that you are a faithful God who is so giving, so gracious, more than what we can even know. And Father, grant us the eyes to see your gifts, not only the gift of salvation, which gives us new life, but the gifts that you've given us each day, the gift of of physical life, of just being able to get up in the morning, the gifts of relationships, of family, of kids, 
of friends, of even being able to meet together as a church. Thank you for these gifts that you've given us. But thank you most of all that you have given us this gift of real life, real life in you. And so I pray for all of us, those that have said yes to you this morning and those of us that have said yes to you for so many years before, that you would renew our hope and trust in you. That we would again encounter and experience new life in you today. Thank you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the sermon from Harvest Community Church. If you would like more information or have any questions or comments, check out our website at harvest-community.org. Thanks for listening.